All right. Welcome to the first, very first episode of the official Molecular Postsecular podcast. I'm with my co-hosts, Nathan Oglesby and Chelsea McMillan. I'm Colin Pugh. Welcome to the show. Thanks, guys, for joining me. Thanks for having us. Thank you. So <laughs> since, since we're here, uh, <laughs> what, what are we yeah. doing here? Yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks for asking, Nate. Um, the molecular post-secular was an idea I had a while ago when I noticed there was a kind of chasm between the psychedelic community in which I'm heavily involved in my work at Brooklyn Psychedelic Society and the kind of new monastic and just kind of contemporary quote-unquote true spiritual (laughs) true spiritual sounds weird I guess but the kind of serious spiritual scene uh through which I met Chelsea um and kind of adjacent groups that's where this idea of molecular post-secular started because there seems to be like a lot of talk in and experiences in the psychedelic scene that would lend themselves to being described as spiritual but there's something kind of like people who I met in like the spiritual scene, something like deeper where psychedelics weren't really, they're kind of more of a side topic and not something super key or critical and, uh, or even maybe looked upon with disdain. So that's what kind of got me started on thinking of this platform because I found there to be something very nourishing in the kind of traditional religious paths and affiliations whether it's christian buddhist or whatever and so this is kind of something i wanted to explore that with so the 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 intersection of liking to do drugs and liking to go to church (laughs) in some form Yeah. yeah like and also like a personal experience i had that i think you and i have talked about nate and i'm I think Chelsea maybe had similar things, maybe not with psychedelics, but psychedelics kind of brought me back to my interest in Christianity. Uh, And it kind of re-Catholicized me in a certain way. And I had a very powerful psychedelic experience that we'll probably talk about eventually in the the show. Uh, It put me through a world of intense ups and downs, but kind of brought me back to Christianity by way of Richard Rohr. And just there's a combin it's a combination of text, mystical text that brought me back to Christianity, but also just like all these other theologies that you just don't encounter growing up as a traditional Catholic or Christian in our country. And the reasons that make the reasons that make traditional religion feel so arid um, really don't really just need to kind of do a little extra searching uh, past the post to make it more like lush and alive. And I think uh, psychedelics kind of, you know, quicken that and catalyze that in a potent way that I'd like to explore on this platform. And just, it's kind of as a starting place. It's not the sole topic of conversation. It's interesting because that plant medicine is literally lush and alive. It is. That's true. And yeah, it's something that I think complements 
spirituality and religion very well and kind of seamlessly, but there's no one doing that. It doesn't seem to me there's no one doing that seeming. And I, I'd like this platform and podcast on our blog to be like a, you know, stitching that bridge. I think it could be a very powerful combination. Uh, I feel like it's, it's any day now that Pope Francis just beats us to the punch <laughs> and comes out with another bombshell, like, you know, tantamount to his recent sort of expanding of the embrace of Catholic ideology to, to embracing, you know, different sexual orientations that he might do so for, you know, different forms of intoxication as well. Just come right out there and say, you know, God likes when you trip balls just as much as when you don't, you know? Yeah. No, you basically describe my inner anxieties I have at night, <laughs> like to a T of the Pope being ahead of the curve with us. <laughs> uh, I, I told you not to mention that on this episode, actually. Uh, and yeah, here we are. A, as an intellectualist, <laughs> like religious person, yeah, judging your progress in life as whether or not you're like ahead of what the Pope has said or behind is an interesting like way to think about it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you're supposed to want to be right in line with them if you're a Catholic, you know. That's another topic I'd love to discuss here with I well not making it all about me. Why don't you guys uh can you guys relate at all to kind of coming back to spirituality or having like a more invigorated relationship with it? Or like would you like to share your stories a little bit? Sure. Uh Chelsea, do you do you want to go or do you want me to go or right. um yeah, I mean, uh, you know, to put all the cards on the table, even though this is the first episode, it's certainly not the first conversation that the three of us have had of this ilk or that we've had in different forms. Um, but I think I find myself in it because I would identify as, an, as, a, as a religious person and specifically as a Christian, but that is a very sort of small niche within what I present to the world. In fact, it's almost at a vanishing point that it's just I don't really have a lot of outlets for that. I do have a lot of people in my life who consider themselves spiritual. And so Colin, you had um, introduced to me this concept of the concept is spiritual, but not religious and whether or not that's something to problematize and whether spirituality without religion as such is sufficient. And even how can we answer whether these things are discrete categories or not is an open question that we've all chewed on a lot. And so I think I'm chewing on that question. Like what does the world need? Does it need a sense of spirit? And is that enough to get it through and maybe, you know, leaving the religion part off of it is enough and maybe even a good thing? Or does it need some sort of deeper claim on value that only religion in some form can provide, even if it's a pluralistic understanding of religion? And so those are conversations that we've had, but it's also kind of where I am just as a human being right now. I mean, like I, my Christianity entails the following. Every day I read just one little verse of the New Testament in Greek, as much as anything to keep my Greek up, because that's what I studied in school. And that is like not a particularly robust religious life. And I do have this like little tug of wanting to somehow make my commitments that are located in the divine more real here in the, in the realm of life. Um, but I'm, I, but I'm struggling to find a community in which to do so. So that's kind of my, that's my MO these days. What does, it mean, what does it mean for it to be more real to you? That's a great question. I guess just more behavioral, you know, I, I have, I have this sort of religious tradition that continues to resonate with me, um, but I'm not quite sure if I could express how that manifests itself in my day-to-day -day life. I could say in a broad sense that I'm like Christian-minded in the sense that I tend to like value kindness and try to be kind to people, things like that, or mm -hmm. try to 
engage in activities that are not just self-serving but community serving i could i could argue that that's another manifestation of that but it's not full it's like it's like i have this little thing in me that i i want to be you know a true apostle or a monk in some way but i don't know quite what that looks like um here in the 21st century you know and the, the changing conditions thereof so yeah. <clears throat> yeah it sounds to me i don't know if this is exactly what you're saying because it, yeah, it's hard to say what real is, but it sounds to me like a, and something that religion speaks of to me is something that is more like ritualized and concrete. And it's like the practices or the things you're doing, it's like a little more tactile and hopefully that engenders a sense of spirit, whatever mm -hmm. that means for someone. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of have been on the same journey. I mean, I grew up <clears throat> in an evangelical Christian family and rejected it pretty early on and was very like spiritual, but not religious for a long time. I guess I would still use that term just because I don't really feel identified with any one particular religion. Although it's funny that well, I, I was just telling Colin about this retreat that I went on, which was a centering prayer retreat with Cynthia Bourgeau. So it was like this mystical Christian practice. Um, so I'm definitely like coming to terms with, or I'm coming to that question again, like how does Christianity, what does that mean to me and how does that show up in my life and myself? But, but anyway, usually I use spiritual but not religious to describe myself just because it doesn't seem like there's anything better to describe what I am. And I think it, it speaks to a lot of, it speaks to a rejection of a lot of like what religion, you know, some of the bad things that religion, mm -hmm. organized religion has done. And, and so like, you know, and as a spiritual director, I'm like constantly talking to people who are like, I totally rejected my Catholicism, but now I like feel things and I like want, I feel spiritual and I want more practices and I want community. I'm like, well, that's kind of what religion gives us, you know? Right. And I'm finding that too. Like there's something about kind of reconnecting to those things that add some depth um, or, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like that's kind of what I think of when you use the word like real, like something that feels like a little more held or cohesive, connected to other people, something that can like take you further into the path, bring you closer to God, bring you closer to yourself, whatever, whatever you're kind of looking for, you know? I would say, I think when I think of real as well, it's kind of a thing of like identity, like does, how does this spill over into your, like you're saying to your real life and kind of like, does your beliefs cohere with like how you live when like no one's kind of looking or something i'm not sure I, I guess that's what's been so interesting to me it's coming back to catholicism like just kind of identifying as that but i don't know uh even just having god back in my life as like a vocab where it took years first of all where i was even comfortable uttering that even silently in my head but then it starts to kind of uh yeah become an embodied thing and there's less of a gap between like the identity as a word and maybe how you act anyways maybe i'm just regurgitating what you're no i think that's a good kind of uh, that's a good um that's a good way to express that that concept yeah i mean well and you know speaking of word choice it's like 
you know, post-secular. So in the title of the concept of this series of discussions, the, the, the concept that, that you've put together here, um, secularity for all of its virtues invites us, or as I feel it invites me in a way to, to consider my religion as almost a vestigial organ in a sense. It's like the, 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 organ, the, the organism that the community is depends on a sort of suspension of the religious self because the religious self is like necessary in some ways, but is hyper-specific to like smaller communities or smaller selfhoods. And like the real human community, secularism would posit, needs to move beyond those or almost like float away from it into like a different kind of communion that doesn't have to do with all that metaphysical mumbo jumbo. Mm -hmm. And then the notion of post-secularity is going like, wait, in doing that suspension, have we sort of actually cut ourselves off from the root connection to like value and divinity in the world? And then there again would be the realness. That root connection is the realness. The sense of like, God is not just a um, placeholder word that refers to that which we honor when we get together for church once a week at our respective churches, but rather this is actual reality. So be it as it may that we may have many religions, we do have to like figure out a way to be actually in touch with them and in touch with one another, yeah. not just hanging them up like a costume, you know what I mean, mm -hmm. when it's not Halloween. Yeah. By the way, happy almost Halloween. Check it out. I just taught Latin before this on my Zoom class, and we had a costume party, and I was the seahorse. The word for seahorse is hippocampus, as in the part of the brain, because it resembles a seahorse. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. There will also be seahorse anatomy uh, alleys we go down here on this. <laughs> it's, really, it's a profile costume. You have to see the side. Yeah. That's really I like it. I kind of, it's kind of perfect that you just put that on because it was what you're saying kind of makes me think of, um, I don't actually know where this idea came from. I was, I read it on some blog or something, um, about, I think it has something to do with like spiral dynamics and integral theory and boring stuff, but, <laughs> um, but there's sort of this idea that like the early cultures of the world before there was really like organized religion, whatever that means, um, lived in an enchanted world, you mm -hmm. know, like when they're just like really, you know, people, and they're still in, you know, still cultures um, and worldviews that, that express this, um, but this like real connection to the earth and connection to spirit, you know, or spirits and living in this like enchanted world. And then we, we moved into the modern age and everything became, well, I don't know what the word is, but like we were kind of disenchanted. Yeah. yeah. Mechanistic maybe, you know, like with it, viewing the processes of the universe as being somehow just, you know, yeah. just that an inert, you know, yeah. meaningless process. Yeah. And now we're living, now we're moving into this re-enchanted world where we can have both of these things. We can have something that's linear and um, and then we can have things that are non-linear and, and kind of live into the mystery of things. And Yeah, I like that phrase. Do you think that's something that, because I mean, we're sort of talking about this in terms of like, it's almost like we're, um, we're presupposing that there's some category of person that it's like the spiritual people. And then the question is like, do they need religion for their expression of that? Or that's one question we could ask, but... I mean, do you think, would you say that a lot of people who even would say, who would wake up in the morning and say, like, I am a science person and that's all I believe in. You get, I think you'd find a lot of people who would say that if you ask them on like a questionnaire, like, do you think science explains the universe and is the only thing to explain the universe? And science is also like your, the thing that takes the place of religion in your life, right? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. 
But then a lot of those same people would also probably be interested if you said, hey, do you want to enchant the world, you know? Mm. Do you think there's some people who would say like, no, actually, if we're just enchanting the world, we are literally just entertaining an illusion for fun and our brains need some fun. Or do you think you'd find more people saying like, yeah, science is the thing, but science can't describe the entire world or, or, or describing things mechanically can never be a fully adequate and complete description. Or I just wonder if like doing a poll of like 20 people that you met on the street in like Brooklyn or something like that, who said that they were science people, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or 20 people who, yeah, who, who just like roll that way, you know, what they would say to that. Well, I'd like, I think that's actually touching Nate on a really good, another pillar of what I think the molecular post secular is trying to also do. And it's to watch this guys re enchant mm -hmm. the word religion because mm. I think it's been kind of throwing the baby out with the bathwater as a category of human activity that I think, yes, people might actually um, discreetly place science, being scientific from being religious. But what I would like to challenge and explore with you guys and other people on this podcast of ours is maybe it's actually a little more fundamental and maybe that's one reason why it gets so pushed aside uh this category of the religious or religion as an activity like there's this really great idea from the religious scholar houston smith that he says we're very sympathetic to uh medicine when we talk when we talk about medicine or business we're sympathetic for these domains because we are able to very easily viscerally remember the minimal the tiny versions of those activities like yes medicine has big pharma and big business and there's all these institutions that have like toxic overly cumbersome versions of themselves we also know when we've had like a really good doctor or a really good business exchange with like an artist or something has felt healthy and good but with religion it, it's not it's not so much it kind of everything's kind of like well religion's just a toss aside and what i personally think i think what's interesting is that religion is actually i don't want to give away the, the prize here but i i think it's kind of a combination of it's, it's sort of those activities and texts and symbols and rituals that i think we all already have embodied in ourselves that's kind of what another play on the word molecular means is that what if we actually all are already religious we're just not thinking it as such and that's kind of another uh, pillar i think of what we're exploring here mm -hmm. yeah i think you know i mean that would it reminds me I of <laughs> I, I know that we've never been able to decide this in any of our conversations whether it's paul tillich or paul tillich but it's one of the that's two. another pillar and it's got a ch at the end so i've usually heard tillich that's I what would i love to just you, you've heard tillich with a hard k yeah paul tillich right. yeah you've oh, heard yeah. tillich you wrote didn't your dissertation involve tillich though nate no 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 but oh. even if it had i never would have had occasion to say it out loud because that's how it is with a dissertation anyway he's got his whole concept of religion as ultimate concern or the the goal of religion as ultimate concern and everybody i don't know if he would if he comes right out and says like everybody is inherently religious but it seems like if that were true they would rest on those grounds everybody has this sense of being 
tugged towards some purposiveness. You can't say that you're not, you know what I mean? Even if you're an avowed nihilist or something like this, there is a sense of an ultimate concern. You can locate that where you will. You could locate it in your notion of the sprawling void that the universe is through which atoms randomly cascade. You could locate it in like the meaning of a nation state. But if you do it in any way that is not ultimate, that's to say the absolute ground of all being, you know, that philosophical kind of definition of God, then you're not locating in the ultimate, you're locating in some intercessor, some in-between thing, some smaller thing, the individual self, the individual local community, the nation state, whatever. These are all a form of idolatry. Everybody, if it's sort of, you know, in the thought experiment, like, you know, putting the, the, putting all other things aside, if they're be t brutally honest with themselves, has a sense of there's, there's this, this ultimate thing that's beyond or connective of everything else. And even if just being able to acknowledge that in understanding, even being able to acknowledge it intellectually, whether or not you can phrase it, implies a certain religiosity, or at least that toward which religion points, you know. Mm -hmm. It kind of makes me wonder too, uh, what Colin was saying about how there's like this difference between the way that we tend to interact with art or business or, you know, whatever, other realms of life, like those things don't seem quite as fraught as as it does with religion. It's sort of like if you've had a bad religious experience or you've been treated badly by a priest or, you know, whatever, or, you know, to the point of being abused or whatever, um, it's, it's like, you're just done with it. You know yeah. what I mean? It's like, you totally reject it from your life. Um, and, but we don't do that in other ways or with other realms of our lives, you know? Mm -hmm. And I'm, and so I'm curious about this like thing of, ultimate concern and I, I don't know like is there like some pressure to religion or why right. does it feel so big or I, yeah well, I think one thing is that it feels a metaphor I use a lot for talking about religion to people especially who are in the psychedelic field um is I think religion a lot of people have started to think that a lot of what started religion was like mystical experiences or a lot of the people who were the main figures in religions, like whether it's Jesus or the Buddha, for instance, those are the two I'm most familiar with. They had transformative experiences like Jesus spent 40 days in the desert battling Satan and talking to the father and angels afterwards. And then Buddha had his, there's kind of like, an argument, another pillar just to get them all out there, guys, is there's like kind of there's a transformational agenda in religion that the mystics have always been highly attuned to that almost feels like I had to like it felt like it fell on my lap. I had to like seek out kind of when I got older and had these experiences. And when you have these ecstatic, either out of body or very in body experiences, you don't think of the cobwebbed church services more so catholic mass and maybe evangelical chelsea but the cop they're kind of just like like i see re the metaphor i've used like religion's almost like an old car and they're like you can't have sex or eat good food or like you can't do drugs and the radio doesn't work and there's no tires <laughs> and we're like okay <laughs> like can i do it all right and everyone's like hey we're having a barbecue later with some beer if you want to come and you're like, yeah, I think I'm going to go out of the car. And people are like, well, you're going to go to hell. It's like, 
there's literally no tires on your car. <laughs> I don't know how it's going to. Anyways, I almost see like a mystical experience or and or, you know, by extension, psychedelics as like the gasoline, the thing that's been missing. So I think when you have all these people advocating for kind of an inert, unmoving kind of mm-hmm. shell of a thing, uh, of course, it's going to seem like like, yeah, religion's that old dusty Buick in the back it's like a boat that your uncle was once his pride and joy 40 years ago when he still had the steel mill job <laughs> but <laughs> now he doesn't <laughs> sorry uh, trump. yeah he's voted for trump because trump's like that boat should be on the water <laughs> but yeah i i just uh it's I mean, the way you're talking about yeah. it it almost makes it sound like you feel like mysticism is the theme rather than religion because you know you can you kind of have to have fewer mystics than not in a religion for it to be understood at least in any way it's ever manifested itself historically you know what i mean you can't the whole point of the doctrine is that you can't expect everybody to be a, a mystic who gets the point the point who gets the point so experientially that the vessel the words themselves like melt into like something different you know what i mean like the the whole point is that you can't expect most people to do that. Just like you can't expect every citizen of a Commonwealth to be a philosopher who like for the right reasons, doesn't like go robbing their neighbors, but they do it because they're not going to get thrown in jail. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. maybe that too, maybe both those things require reexamination. Maybe every single individual, every citizen should ex- be expected to like truly have an understanding of why we have to get along. Every religious person should truly be a mystic. There's like a, there's a George Bernard Shaw quote. That's like every, every, um, truly religious person is a heretic or something like that or forget exactly how the quote goes so that would be like a more radical notion of what it is but i think that's not all we're talking about if what we're talking about is in fact religion or a return to it in some way because it also has this role of binding people for better and worse Mm -hmm. in a way that is hardly mystical at all but more just behavioral just ritual like you said chelsea you know what i mean that's uh, habitual even you know what i mean and the question is like, do we need a role for that? Or we have, have we made some progress by going, okay, never mind that for at least a few centuries, you know, or trending that way. Mm-hmm. I mean, heck, I went to church for the first time in the longest time, just like couple, last, not this last Sunday, but the Sunday before that, went to a United Methodist Church in Bushwick. There were very few people there. Now, granted it's COVID era, you know what I mean? But last time I went was like two years before that. Same thing, like six people <laughs> yeah. in this beautiful building. <laughs> so few you know yeah and it's like this old buick keeps getting propped up you know lots of yeah it's like won't let it fall apart but at the same time i feel like i'm realizing that first yeah without the buick without some sort of vehicle i don't think we're gonna transform and by extension i don't think society is gonna transform i think a lot of the can i think a lot of the sort of values and just disposition dispositional shifts we need towards our environment towards the world towards each other requires a kind of like transformation and this is something chelsea writes and works a lot in especially with xr and her work with the sacred activism um but some kind of shift in perspective has to accompany a shift almost maybe even before simultaneously and so i think another idea contained in the post-secular is well first of all like what does religion mean and what can it mean with democratized access to mysticism 
almost like when mysticism suddenly back on the table. Like, what does it mean for that Buick? And also, um, especially because the acronym is DAM. What? Democratized access to mysticism. Damn. Yeah. Damn. Um, but we're kind of like, (laughs) like another, in in a historical context, like, uh, um, we had like the modern era, which was maybe characterized by an over-reliance on certainty where religion kind of maybe dominated. Like we had these, you know, edifices at the same time, the advantage was we had culturally agreed upon things we kind of point to. It was like a little more order than the postmodern. This is broad stroke sweep came along and like showed how that covered up a lot of things and like was colonial perhaps and just like you know really dominating and suffocating life and so it became like more like a little more chaotic but open and loving and free and i think the post-secular is like a synthesis of the two in a way where we're realizing okay we do need some sort of like vehicle, something like we're kind of like a wash right now in the postmodern where nothing seems to have any objective kind of meaning, but we don't also want to return to just like the fifties where the Buick without its gasoline had its shine. Cause we know that doesn't get anywhere. So the post secular is really like, what does religion mean in the 21st century? Like what can it be? Or reclaiming it. Anyways, that's a good speech. I wanted to get that out. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm in love with the phrase "democratized access to mysticism." Whatever that, I'm to not me, sure if that, I can fully unpack what it means, but I, but I. Well, that's just, what like I. There's a kernel yeah. of what we're looking for in that. Right, like that. Hence the molecular part. And Chelsea and I have talked about this. It's molecular. Yes, refers to obviously psychedelics like substances, but also just embodied religion um could you speak on that chelsea at all what that embodied i think you might know more about that than i do but i want to put you on the spot (laughs) well what's your question exactly like what like that's a phrase you you you've used right for like embodied religion is that something you've talked about yeah i mean i sort of think I, i mean i talk a lot about sacred activism and to me that's like an embodiment of our spiritual path you know, and the, the, that embodied relationship to the world is, is sacred in and in and of itself, you know, that we can't yeah. just in our meditation cushions and transcend reality for our own inner peace, you know, that, that we're here to, to serve and, and to be in relationship with each other. And to me, that's embodied. Yeah. I think that's also one of the risks of uh, just purely, I don't know, I think spirituality in a neoliberal capitalist kind of commodified culture is so very easily turned into a vanity project. And I've been, I'm not saying I'm like, it's like really, really hard to not uh, fall into that, I think, or spiritual bypass is sometimes called. And so it's like having these embodied experiences where you honor the body and get back in touch with it. That's usually been denigrated from more toxic forms of religion, but then also not just cashing that in for being complacent and transmuting that into a, being a better vehicle for like love in the world in a way. 
Yeah. And I think there's really something about when you're really engaging in, in contemplative practice and becoming closer to God, love, the great mystery, whatever you want to call it. Um, I mean, right now, love seems like the most useful answer or the useful term for that, because it's like when you have that sense of oneness, then you can't help but uh, but but like flow into that in the world and like express it into the world. Like it's, you know, what good is it if it's just like going to be contained in your little, your little ego or your little body? Like you've got to, I mean, that's actually one like version of why God made the world. Like that, that God made the world because, um, because God had so much love that. Yeah. Yeah. He wanted to empty himself. He wanted to give it away. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Kenosis. The, the, the oneness that exceeds itself mm-hmm. and be in relationship to and maybe that's even a criteria without trying to be too judgy or something of like is it truly a mystical experience religious experience if you don't become more loving or want to give it away in some way right yeah i yeah. think that's a great question that's a great question for people who use psychedelics i think right. <laughs> you know? i think so yeah. <laughs> for the feel good thing or the 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 and you know and i'm like those those experiences are very profound and meaningful and i've had them it's funny to be on in this crew because i have very little experience with psychedelics and um but have had have had many mystical experiences um without them as well you know mm-hmm. and on them um but there's something that about like you you actually have to integrate it back into the you have to integrate back into the world and yeah. and be that love in the world and you, you can't just like be high all the time because that's not what real spirituality you know that's not what a real relationship with the divine is about yeah. you know it's also not where those the, those experiences don't they don't tug you into just staying isolated either. They, 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 they tend to tug you in the direction of sharing what you've attained and, and sharing the, yeah. sharing the understanding. I mean, yeah. part of the way we're talking about this right now is different than other conversations that I, at least that I've had with you, Colin, about this before. It's like, maybe the point for defining post-secularity is less about like saying like, it's some version of, hey, we got to go back to church. We forgot about church, maybe with bathwater image. And maybe it's more like, we are all sort of making spiritual progress. You can maybe even have hope in this as a general like trend of like the adventures of humanity, but we do need to some way find, find a way of just like stitching it together and getting people to double down on the spiritual insights that they're encountering, be it in the realm of like the increased popularity of psychedelia and the increased social acceptance of it, the increased popularity and acceptance, for instance, even just in the past few months of our lives of activism and radical activism, Mm-hmm. And then the job of religious leaders, quote unquote, in the spirit of post-secularity is to help connect those dots, help make it constant, just be leaders essentially, and make it real in our sense that we're, you know, defining right now of real equals actual relations with other human beings, non-solipsistic continuous practice, you know? Yeah. I see it as like kind of almost pointing out the breadcrumbs like that we actually kind of have the nodes for transformative religion in place. They're just kind of 
pluralized and kind of uh, disparate currently. And I see the role of the post-secular, the molecular post-secular, a specific implementation of this role or whatever, is just kind of connecting the dots. Like, is there a bona fide path to to kind of clicking into the transformational agenda of traditional religion using spirituality in a way that brings the like the best of the worlds with like access to immediate sorts of states of transcendence or ego death from psychedelics but also the more shadow work that needs to happen with like working on those inner undigested emotional you know hang-ups we have that actually lead to us being more and more open vehicles and vessels for love like where we just become like better conduits for that um another way to put it with like the psychedelic or putting mysticism like mysticism absent of religion if we're just meaning religion for now to be just like a little more structure to your a transformative approach to your spirituality both internally and externally it's it's kind of like having gasoline about the car you know it's exciting <laughs> and things will get very hyped up and this is what i see a lot in the psychedelic scene it's like things get like it's all love and light man and they're not wrong mm-hmm. they're really not wrong it is all love and light but if you don't have something some sort of i use the metaphor of like a trellis like a gentle kind of guide vehicle to kind of have that powerful contemplative experience mystical experience uh act as kind of like an artery system deliver that lifeblood through it's going to be another spectacle in our heavily kind of postmodern times it's almost like you know this whole all of the complications maybe that we're encountering this is maybe a little bit reductive like could be circumvented if we remind ourselves that when we use the word religion, like the three of us, it would seem, or like maybe just to generalize, when typically people use it in what is sometimes called the Western world, they're thinking of faith-based Abrahamic religions where there's some sort of choice involved, particularly with Christianity, do you believe or not? Whereas like the word precedes that use. I mean, it's a, it's a Latin word and it just meant the rituals and practices that we do to recognize these things that everybody recognizes are there because the gods actually are some stuff, you know what I mean? Like the, 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 the Greco-Roman pantheon, like the things that those gods quote unquote control are the things that they represent or just are. And nobody's gonna sit around and tell me that there isn't lightning. Whether or not I wanna imagine it like a guy with a beard throwing the lightning is really irrelevant. Either way, somebody's gotta be in charge with being in touch with that lightning and recognizing it as a force in the universe. You know, mm-hmm. the, the, it's self-evident that there would be, um, a task incumbent on someone to be a priest thereof and self-evident that we would all recognize the power thereof, you know, and maybe we're getting back to a place where religion can once again, have that sort of direct um, kind of application and be less mired in this arbitrary choice of believe or not, you know, not that the choice of believe or not is an invalid question. I'm not throwing out the whole, you know, linchpin of like the, the, the question that a Christian puts to, to themselves, you know, but I don't know. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, it kind of makes me wonder, it, it brings me back to that question of like, is religion sort of just inevitable in us? Like, you know, it's like, I, I, again, like when I talk to people 
who are kind of coming back to religion, it's because they like can't ignore it anymore. <laughs> they can't ignore, you know, whatever the thing is out there speaking, you know, it kind of, and it, I don't know, like I'm also thinking about even you, Colin, putting together this, this, these conversations, like it's an itch that keeps coming back. It's like an itch you can't get rid of no matter what you do. And I wonder if just as people, and I mean, we're obviously talking in a very specific context. If we were Europeans, we'd be having a completely different conversation. If we were, you know, like it's based on culture and yeah, and this specific moment in time, but but it does seem to me that it's this thing that we just like, like spirit keeps talking to us, you know? And it's like, sometimes you just don't have a choice, you know? And and another thing I wanna sort of throw in there really quickly is just that um, on this retreat that I was just on, uh, Cynthia Bergeau was talking about, like kind of doing away with the word evolving, cause that sort of implies this like linear, like we'll eventually get to this end point where all these things are perfect, you know, like, so I guess I'm bringing this up because it's like, is there some point at which religion and spirituality have this perfect marriage and then we've solved all the problems or are we just in, so she used the word unfolding, like things just keep unfolding in, in different ways. And, and I think we're in a particular point in that process, process of unfolding. And so I'm curious about that. Like, do we even need to worry about having the perfect answer about why religion exists yeah. or what we should do around religion? Um, and then sort of along with that, sorry, these are like sort of three okay. thoughts, but I think they kind of go together. But um, but also on the spiritual path, on like the individual spiritual path, it's very common to have a dark night of the soul where no matter no matter what, no matter what practices you do, even if you like double down on your practices or whatever, you like can't feel God. And there's actually, there's a, a purpose and a meaning in, to, in that, that there's like, that's like where real faith comes in. It's, you know, dark soul of the night, dark, dark night of the soul isn't just like when you feel depressed, it's like when you just like mm -hmm. can't feel God anymore. And so I wonder if we're in sort of that moment where it's like, these religions, these churches, these institutions that we have just like aren't doing the thing anymore. And so I'm wondering, like, do we do away with it or do we kind of like we stick with it and have faith that these uh -huh. these rituals or these communities or the ways in which we're interacting with God have some meaning and purpose that we just can't see yet? Yeah, well said. Quite well said. I on on i on the last thing you just mentioned yes i see almost like churches on a personal level like the eucharist for me became like a a technology sort of again and actually trying to believe that it's the body and blood of christ like it's it's such a trip mm. no pun intended to actually get spiritual nourishment from a catholic mass if you told me that when I was like 17 or 15 or even like five years ago, I'd be like, I got to go. <laughs> it, it's But because I had this experience of feeling part of Christ, go more on that later, but like had that experience and then kind of getting back into Christianity with Richard Rohr, suddenly churches became like this like sacred play, like a, a nourishing, like, like an eating the body and blood of Christ and like, mm. 
it, it feels like a gift. So I think, yeah, it's about like, rather than trying to rebuild some tower or something, it's kind of like, well, what if we just kind of shifted our disposition towards these things a little bit and kind of like really dove into them and to your other question chelsea of like is do we have to find some perfect marriage between spirituality and religion is like i i don't think we do but what i think we i think the pairing of damn democratize access to mysticism damn girl <laughs> damn with religion i don't want to overstep this like uh, discovery here but I think it might be equivalent to like when the scientific method was discovered for science it's not that we weren't doing science before the scientific method we were we had some and we got some like workable results from that but when we, when we found the scientific method and that granted that's been improved over time it's like oh this is how we do science similarly transformation i think religion is the vehicle of transformation and mystical experience catalyzes that but now we have these practices and these like more intense experiences and then it makes like you should like the love comes first and then comes the rules when before the rules came and yeah the love but like we've been missing that kind of the dam the gasoline mm-hmm. So I, I think it's like, well, we're in a dark night of the soul where we just we, we need to reach a, reach a new stage. And eventually this way of thinking of it will become the rusty old Buick. Like, yeah, he's like enlightened and saved everyone, but that's how we got to focus on right now. This like something. <laughs> yeah, love is... It's <laughs> been there, done that. Yeah. Yeah, kingdom of God, we've achieved it. But look, what we got to focus on... <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think you know what an asymptote is or whatever, like the mathematical thing where it always gets closer. Yeah. yeah. I don't think we'll ever fully realize the kingdom of God, but I do think we're at in like a secular way, sort of like we're ready for kind of the next, like an evolving. I'm not sure what word I do think evolving kind of implies like a finality, but also kind of applies like stages. Yeah. I wouldn't say it implies finality to me. It just, I mean, all the word means is a rolling out, you know, rolling out to where or where when when that will ever stop or if it will is not implied by the word itself nor by the theory you know in in any of its its uses i um, think there's just a sense of like evolving means it's always getting better and right 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 rather than just changing it's very it's more like circular and or cycl- cyclical than mm-hmm. than we kind of realize but yeah. it you know it doesn't matter yeah <laughs> Oh, I think but religion uh, I think- is evolving. What were you going to say? Sorry. I'm just saying, I think like, yeah, we're kind of trying, like, I think I'm trying to signal here with this platform is like with democratize, with dam and religion, there is like, oh, okay. Kind of like, I don't want to, again, overstep it, but like, uh, yeah. Like, could you imagine not doing science with the scientific method? It would be like, you'd get like mixed results. And it kind of maybe I also I also think a criticism can be made that this is like a product of our technological culture that I think maybe we're doing religion more efficiently. I'm open to that challenge. But to me, the fact that these already existing brick and mortar places we know as churches, for me, Catholic, have become sources of deep nourishment and like sober synchronicities. 
is like a boom. It's like a gift. It feels like a gift. I'm like so grateful for, I could never imagine myself being grateful for like the Eucharist, <laughs> but I'm also very like liberal and not like a traditionalist, like put the bread uh, put Jesus on my tongue, father. Like, and there just doesn't seem to be a ton of space for people who are both kind of like super into the religion, but also kind of more leftists and lefty and want to change things and like, might take acid once in a while. <laughs> yeah, there's the the what 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 is exotic and surprising about one's like lifestyle is is certainly a very relative thing. I mean, I know that's self evident, but like you know, it, I think there's probably there's probably more people than we would assume. You know, what I mean, that have the the space for those paradoxes in their in their taste, you know, in their disposition and in and even in their life histories. I mean, the we whole are. like thing that we're revolving around, like it's like there's a lot of different ways to to put different things, but then the branding does matter a lot to return to this question of like sort of defining the post-secular is like, if you're using the analogy of the scientific revolution, you could argue that the religious revolution in, again, in, in, in what has typically been called Western civilization is what came before that because Christianity, for mm -hmm. instance, wasn't, was an instance of something that instigated a bunch of social change in many ways. Like it, you can, you can relate it to like sort of the, the decline in like slavery in, in the Greco-Roman world, for instance, when it spread over that particular cultural map, you know, and it was a revolution of its kind and a, and a quasi-philosophical or, you know, a religious revolution, a totally different way of looking at the world and a reordering of the world, similar to what has happened as a result of the scientific revolution. The question is, if we're trying to make this new integration, is religion even a good word to have on the table? Because I would almost say, like, from a pragmatic perspective, I don't care. I'm also not convinced that it is the best word, even though I myself, contrarian that I am, hipster among hipsters that I am who loves to go to church just because what Nathan goes to church <laughs> like you know putting all that to the side the real thing that I'm about is transformative change for the whole universe coming to some sort of new level of self-recognition even if it's not teleological even if evolution shouldn't mean that yeah um, whatever's next and I'm down to call it reintegration with religion if that's best I'm down to call it Moopy foopy, what's it? You know, I, you know, who knows? I'm I, whatever, whatever, whatever it's called, whatever is strangest the fewest and brings the most in is what I want to call it. You know what I mean? So it's just like, it's like branding an app. You know, whatever. I vote for schmoopy dootsy. Guys, it? we're sticking with <laughs> Mopo too. for now. <laughs> just, it is a very cute phrase. <laughs> Schmootsy boopsy. Now, Colin. <laughs> right so i think we should have a vote <laughs> do you have any closing thoughts chelsea Schmoopsy doopsy, what's okay it? we're muting her <laughs> i am launching a new podcast it's called <laughs> i really love what what nathan just said which was like whatever's gonna bring the weirdest and the i mean like all uh, yeah like what's gonna be welcoming and uh, like I mean, we could have a whole other episode on hospitality, I think, or providing sanctuary, but it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, like whatever, whatever is the package that needs to be to love and to make a space of love. It's like, that's it, you know? I agree. Yes. <laughs> 100% agree. Well, how about we call it a wrap for today, guys? I yeah, think that was a good, good, good maiden voyage. Yeah, <laughs> thank you everyone for tuning in to our intro episode to the molecular post secular, and 
myself, Chelsea, and Nate will hopefully uh, see you all soon. Bye, Thanks, guys. <laughs> Bye.